Hello and uh, welcome back to the TNG Golfcast. It's uh, Gareth, obviously my co-host, sat across from me again is Tom. How are we doing, folks? So, episode four. And this episode, guys, is literally going to be centred all around the highly anticipated Netflix series, Full Swing. It is indeed. But, before we start that, shall we do some uh, rough news coverage? Yeah. So... Obviously, we've started, well, before the season started, we started doing the DP World Tour Fantasy League. So, we'll just do a quick, what are we doing, top 10 or top 5? We'll go top 10, a couple top of shout as well. One that's very deserved as well, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we've got to do some humble pie eating on that <laughs> one. Yeah. So, uh, in top 10 then, <clears throat> try and make it sound official. I'm going to butcher some of these names. Yeah, me too. Right. In 10 is Rob Campbell. Nine, Mark Sams. Eight is not my co-host, but the same name, Gareth Stevens. Then we've got Don Conroy in at seven, Subo in at six. <laughs> Good look at that one. We're going to go with the team name on this one because I do yeah. not want to, Let's just to be butcher safe. that name and be do, the, safe, do the person any injustice. So Nico Kick, that's what I'm going with. Nico Kick in at number five. Russell Fryer in at four, Barry Doyle three, Adrian Carey in at two, and and Aidan Doherty, Pints and Putts, good name, is leading the way with 5,145. Well done, my man, well done. So the shout out that we have to give. We have to give. There's a guy that we butchered. In episode one. In episode one, and well, I'm going to give him a shout out again. Yeah, so, uh, he's gone from the <laughs> lowest point that I think I saw him at was at 69. By that point, there was only, I think, 71 in the in the uh, group. There's now 75. And he's managed to climb all the way to the dizzy heights of 27th. Unfortunately, that means that you at 34 and me at 52... Oh, you've had a big drop-off, man. ...are uh, struggling yeah. big time. But thankfully, flying the flag for us two, well, with you especially, as your good lady. Well, she's had a fair drop-off because she was only ever in the top five. She's now finding herself at 26th. Yeah, it's just top 30 is good, though. Mm-hmm. And she's, what, two points ahead of John? Aye, so. So, end of the day, John, get it up. Yeah, she's still ahead of you. Um, we'll, we'll jump on her cocktails, mate, all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's just where we are at with the fantasy table. Perfect. So... Going into this week's competitions, well, the DP World Tour, they were in Thailand for the Thailand Classic, and that was taken by Thorbjorn Olsen, 24 under. Good golfer, nice to see him back in the winner's circle. Yeah. Uh, obviously, representing for Denmark. There's quite a few good Danes out there on the DP World Tour at the moment. Yeah, the Hoygaard's not as well. Yeah, you've got the, the Hoygaard Danish, brothers. Yeah. So, speaking of, one of the... Nikolai was in the top five as well, or joint fifth, so he, yeah, good representation from Denmark there. Keep it going, Ryder Cup pick. Yeah, and speaking of Ryder Cup picks, man, you were hoping we'd be there with it being in Italy, not doing too well over in the States. Not at all, no, no. Another missed cut, finished off plus eight. Yeah, looks a bit. He's just not finding his form at the moment at all. Hopefully he's doing an awful lot of work off the, off the course and putting in the hours that we in the range with his coaches and trying to find something because 
we'd love to see him there would do yeah definitely but in more positive news and for everyone who knows me through this <laughs> podcast knows the next person name i'm about to mention i'm very happy to talk about <laughs> leading the light for team europe in Ryder cup world john ram is currently as we are recording this through eight holes of round four with a two-shot lead over homer she's leading at the riviera potentially yeah. back to number one yeah it's um it's kind of hard not to argue you know but every week that we talk about him he's just he's, he scores he shoots assists yeah, yeah. like he's always going to go into every competition at the moment playing the way he is feeling that he's going to win it and if not he's certainly going to be in the top five yeah which is just frightening but i did see a good tweet the other day from in fact i think it was even today someone saying that if he goes on to win this he'll have won three events in five for him in all the ones he started yeah which is fantastic by any stretch of the imagination but it still pales into comparison of what Tiger Woods did in the year 2000. Somewhat the Scottish Earthler, I suppose. Uh, well, yeah, year. Scotty, that was like his yeah. year last year. Yeah. Four and five years was what and I he, saw. He yeah, topped it, it off with the Masters, didn't he? So. Where is Scheffler at the minute? Scheffler, the last time I saw, I think he was tied 18th. He's it's tied 23rd now, even round um, five under through 10. So he's tied 23rd. Yeah. So Ram could even afford to finish second today and still take number one spot. At that point, yeah, he's currently on course with Fowler by the looks of it. Four under for him, three under for the day. It's just even updated now. He's got a three-shot lead over Homer. Has he? Yeah, Homer Christ. must have dropped on on the eighth. So, on oh, sorry, on the seventh. <coughs> Excuse me. But hey, right. So we're going to move on from there to a little bit of news regarding a different tour. Thomas Peters is almost confirmed as moving to live. Yeah, unconfirmed reports, yeah. It came out yesterday afternoon, so what, Saturday afternoon it came out? First I've seen it anyway. From what I've seen a lot of tweets on social media and pages on Instagram and the likes of that are pretty accurate when they come to announcing this stuff, Yeah, the paperwork's practically been done. It's just not the announcement. They're figuring out which team they're going to put him in and stuff like this, or if they're going to create another team. But I don't know the ins and outs mm. of all that. But yeah, so he is... World number 34, I believe he is. Yeah, yeah. Didn't get an invite to the Riviera. What's the reason? Made, you... made a bit of a complaint about that, didn't oh, he? Oh, so would you. He, enjoyed, he said he enjoys playing there, doesn't he? So, yeah, he made I mean... a big thing of not being invited. Um, so, yeah. Don't know what the parameters for getting into the Riviera is. So, he is going to go and play his golf at Live. It's been something that's been in the background, obviously. It will be based entirely off of what's happened to the Riviera. I wouldn't have nah, thought. Nah, I think it's, it's, something's been the pipe, why not? it's got to be a big decision because he would have been with the ones that have already made the move to live. Yeah. You've got to wonder that he must have thought it was time for him to step up in the Ryder Cup front. You think so? And he's just given all that up now. Mm, it's a shame. Good player to have in the team. And for a pick especially as well. He's a well, he's player. only had one, one appearance in a Ryder Cup. And it was in a year that we lost it, but obviously as a rookie, I think he took four points. Well, you said that all week, didn't you? Yeah. So he was yeah. that, in that Ryder Cup year, <coughs> he was yeah. one of our best performers, if not the best. We won number 34 for a reason. Yeah. Well. So. so, yeah. It's a shame, but if it is confirmed, obviously, later on in the week, then all the best of them, go make some money. Yeah. Shame to lose them from our perspective, by the cup-wise, but yeah. 
you can't really argue with these guys anymore, don't think. Well, it just I think it goes to show that Liv just isn't going anywhere. No. No, I've really, we, we, again, we, we speak about it quite a bit. I think the world of golf talks about it a lot because it's hard to avoid it. That's the thing, you can't avoid it no more, eh? That's the thing. I mean, it's, it's, when I first came out, it was this, like, oh, scary, can stay away from it and all the rest of it, but... It's now going to pop up even more with what we're about to start discussing. Oh, yeah, yeah, so... Right, let's delve into it then. Yeah, like we said, episode four, uh, Netflix full swing documentary review. Now, as promised, I binged it all in one day. Yep. Um... And, I mean, you, you heard reviews from the early access that people were getting, and there was different opinions, like, oh, I don't expect too much, and it's not as good as it could have been. For me personally, being a golf fan, being a fan of these golfers, a fan of the way that Netflix do their thing as well, I loved every single minute of it. Yeah. Every single minute of it. Cannot disagree um, with that. The behind-the-scenes shots. This, uh, I mean, we don't see that. We talked about it recently in other episodes. We don't see the behind the scenes. I mean, we don't see the golfers at home with their families out on the road. Like, even training. The gym featured heavily for these guys. Yeah, but I think that's showing the the impact that Tiger had. These yeah. guys now, even coming out of college, yeah. they just live in the gym. Yeah, if, the they're not, if they're not on the golf course, they're in the gym. Yeah. But they have to be. And you, I think it was the first time we saw a gym scene was Rory McIlroy in there and then Spieth and uh, Justin Thomas walked in as well as a couple of others yeah. and McIlroy made the comments oh I thought it was going to have a nice quiet gym session yeah. and in followed so the names that predominantly end up at the top of the leaderboards week in week out are showing you why they're there they're putting in the hard graph not just on the range but yeah. physically in their bodies as well but, I mean you look at McIlroy over the years from when he first came on the on the scene, he was just be sort of colour-haired podge, podge basically. Just a yeah. wee bit high. I mean, you look at him now, and the guy's just an absolute specimen. <laughs> it's frightening. Yeah, he but. went too far though. As did Jason Day. They mm. went too far and started causing themselves problems. Yeah. So they had to rein it back, and yeah. then it was more. I think even when they're doing their gym stuff now, because they've put in all the hard work, they're just doing toning. It's just toning up themselves yeah. and just keeping on top of on everything because yeah. if they try and build too much more muscle the only one who's broken the mould with that was Bryson but even now he's he's lost a bit of weight in the money yeah, he's to. gone backwards on that because yeah. he was obviously trying to find it. and it was I think a lot of people called it I said it myself he was fine until he got that one injury yeah and then kind of as Brooks alluded to in his episode mm-hmm. it snowballs it just it finds a different place to because you end up in if anyone knows enough about the body, you get an injury, something else has to overcompensate for the yeah. for the injury, and then you can end up doing that. That in. So it's just wobble out of the money with your injury especially. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> less said about that the better. <laughs> so anyway, we'll start off episode one, uh, titled Frenemies. That mm-hmm. was the Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth episode. And the thing that got to me straight away was the shit talking between them. I loved that. I loved that man. You know they're friends. They grew up together, playing against each other, competing. But it's the money matches, the the shit talking, it's the playing the cards and the playing and say, guess the card, no, like fifty dollars, whatever. It was brilliant just to see that as well. Yeah, and I was also basing the whole episode around um, the PGA one. Tulsa featured an awful lot in this series. There was obviously Oklahoma Tulsa, yeah. where uh, the PGA was 
set at the Southern Hills. It featured in quite a few episodes, yeah. and I think another podcast, obviously, we have previously mentioned in the in ours is obviously the Rough Cut where Peter Finch they, did, there, yeah. they dropped a very early spoiler review um, last week on it. They mentioned it that the PGA kind of had just a very very small tinge of disappointment in the sense that it in just in Justin's episode it didn't heavily revolve around yes he got got to see him win it in the playoff but yep. obviously in another episode later on with a uh, Mito you saw a bit more in-depth view of the PGA yep. competition as a whole and obviously what ended up happening with Mito which was devastating but yeah no obviously JT went in the PGA there that was good that he got to see it from his family's point of view his and stuff father, like yeah. that his yeah. father who yeah. obviously is a big prominent figure in his life because obviously he's his coach as well as yeah. his dad that's going to be a diff- difficult sort of situation to be in I suppose eh? I mean, you yeah. had these poor golfers man I mean, the way this, the episode set up was like seeing the rise and the, the, the form well they, they tried to compare the two didn't they really yeah. in, in, in how they got to where they are currently at yeah. that point in the tour so Spieth was three majors not Spieth blitzed on at 21 turned pro won the Masters won the PGA won the, the US Open sorry then the PGA not the PGA sorry the Open yeah. he's got to make the PGA for the Grand Slam Grand Slam yeah so that was how they managed to because JT's previous one was a uh, his only major was a PGA PGA before that that's right yeah. so it had the prominence that you've got Jordan Spieth going for the Grand Slam, trying to get the PGA over the, the line. JT trying to get another major so he can close the gap on his friend, mm-hmm. uh, only being you've got three, I've got two, so yep. now I'm closer to you. And obviously it worked out in Justin's favour this time around. It was well, I think it was well done that way, yeah. You, you were sort of like, oh, oh, Jordan's going to smash this and all the rest. And then, I mean, his performance at the PGA that year, the JT won, he... But we know he goes wide anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? We know he likes to slice it here and overcompensate yeah, here and that. But his round to then, obviously, he missed the cut. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then obviously, JT himself went on, had a solid weekend in the contention. And then obviously. Well, he didn't have a solid weekend because he had, by his standards, he had a very, very poor Saturday. And the Saturday, sorry, yeah. yeah. He thought he'd uh, put himself out of it. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, he was seven shots behind. You yeah. would think going into a major at that point, looking at how. Mito was playing and mm. obviously Fitzpatrick was in the final pairing as well yeah, yeah. you kind of had to think I need something drastically to go wrong up the top yeah. to get and back it, into it and obviously and did a good last that's what happened so yeah, yeah um, but it was like you say these two boys have known each other since they were 13 had very successful amateur careers Jordan blew up very quickly onto very the quickly, PGA yeah. Tour world and then winning the three majors as he did but JT is probably the more consistent golfer of the two. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan has spits and spats now, but when he came on the scene, everyone thought, oh, here it is. He's the heir to Tiger's throne, just absolutely demolishing everything that lies before him. Just, I mean, not, not Masters, man. They had, I was... Yeah, it was a good one. And then he had a poor one in. Was it twenty sixteen? Actually, one in fifteen. Yeah, he was on course to win it in sixteen, and then he found the water at twelve, and then the twelve has been in his head yeah. ever since. Big time, yeah. I like you say consistency, but Justin Thomas is more apparent. I mean, 
Spieth went through that swing change a couple of years ago as well, where it was just, oh, yeah, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. I mean, like you said, you said in the other episode about Patrick Hampton winning all these majors and then having the audacity, as you put it. The problem was to change his swing. I think it was slightly different. It was forced upon Spieth in the sense that when he's in control of his swing, mm. he's brilliant and he could win because obviously his short game is yes. second to none. But when it's off, boy, is it off. Yeah. And that was causing him problems. And he wanted to try and fix that. But in doing that, he caused himself more problems because you have to wait a lot of time for it to start clicking. Yeah. And I think he's still kind of waiting. He gets a couple of weeks where it's there and then he, he just falls off again. You see him on the team as part of the swings. He's like, kind of looks, okay, that one looks good. Second one, mm, something's not right there. You see the, the the swing plane changing. But he talks to himself so much. Like I've never <laughs> heard anyone talk to him. God darn it. <laughs> He's, yeah, no one ever talks on a golf course more than Jordan Spieth. Oh, yeah, it's uh, quite, yeah, yeah. But we've obviously put down in our notes here, It's it was really interesting to watch how his father, sorry, to go to Justin Thomas, yeah. how his father's able to switch between coach and dad. Yeah. Because, as JT mentioned, when he was came off the course on that Saturday in the PJ Champs and he was pissed and he was angry and frustrated he went to the range and hit some balls trying to find something his dad kind of stayed well back just let him vent almost and then he stepped in as they were packing up and obviously you didn't really hear the conversation but you knew the conversation had happened that they'd what's the wisdom trying to rebuild him back up again just confidence so yeah and then obviously we all know what happened he went on to win it and i think you have to say he did win it i know someone played themselves out of the playoff but he certainly when yeah, it got to the playoff he, he yeah. did what was needed to get over the line yeah that was good really good episode man good way to start the series anyway two well-known golfers two like we said good pals and that as well yeah it was just good to see it man i mean i loved i said at the start i loved the shit talking between them man. like i love that sort of competitive edge ah, the best them. one was when they were coming off one of the, the greens and jordan asked justin how's your season going <laughs> just as justin's throwing a club at his bag yeah, it's pretty average. What about you? <laughs> I mine was going pretty average until I won. Yeah. <laughs> but it's part, it's part of that competitive edge, isn't it? Yeah. They're athletes. Yes, they're good friends, but as they openly said, and I think JT, the best question was, it was like, would you rather win a competition or beat your friends? I'd rather win a competition because then I'd beat my beat friends, friends. Yeah, to win it. Such a good line. I was like, yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah, good. So that sums them up perfectly. Yeah, it was good, man. Really good. Episode um, two was... Episode two, one on go home. Two different polls. Oh god, completely different. Brooks kept on Scottish Chef one. Um Obviously we know where, where Kepka is now. We yeah. know now the kind of play the Chef is and the high regard he's held in and that as well over the, he's the season. I he think had. he's still underrated because obviously oh, he's still massive. he's still fresh on his career. Yeah. This episode was good though for exploring Scotty a bit more though. Yeah. I mean we've seen snippets of when he won his wife. Meredith, mm-hmm. she's a part and all the rest of it, but his actual wife with Meredith at home was good to see that. And on the flip side, we see Mr. Brooks Kepka at home with his wife, and the just the, like you said, mate, the polar difference between the, the pair of them. Now, do you, do you know what it kind of looked like to me? Like three points, sort of really, especially with Brooks. It's been said before by quite a few people who've obviously watched this and said. If you're not a Brooks fan, 
you're not going to be a Brooks fan after this because he doesn't come across very personably. I'll come back to that in a minute. Yeah. I've got my views on that as well. We'll, we'll we'll dive into that once you start talking about it properly. Secondly, the man needs a therapist. There was no one around him that was really trying to... like. You could see it in his eyes. His mental health was really struggling. Yeah. Nobody was looking at him from that point of view and going, you I mean, need to get help. The footage was his mum. His mother was there, I mean, in the house, and he was sort of venting mm. how he was feeling. The, the line he used, I'm not good enough to compete with these guys. That was when he was around the table with his wife and obviously the other ones. Yeah, that, that shocked me. And then obviously the footage we've seen by his dad was on course. And he's surrounded by yes, man. To a degree, yeah. yeah. I would say, yeah, you're probably right there. But yeah, the the man definitely looked like he was mentally struggling. Like It's like he'd never been in that position before and didn't know how to handle it, mm-hmm. going from the heights that he'd reached. But obviously going back to it being a, a, a polar opposites in the two, everything that you saw, at, like home life from Scotty Scheffler, yeah. being able to completely just leave the game at the course, go home, be with his wife... <laughs> The home life. Brooks, I got the impression that Brooks, when he was talking, that's what he used to have. And he couldn't leave the game at the course anymore. Yeah. It was just coming home and it was all apparent when Jenna was trying to talk to him about where she was going for a bridal party. He wasn't there. He was not He was sitting on the swing. And you can see he was like, not even looking at the camera. He was just, just in no man's land, just constantly reliving why he hadn't won the waste open management mm-hmm. or whether it's the waste management open. Yeah. He was he just couldn't switch the record off. I mean his, his loss of form has been over what, maybe two or three years now? Where the dim started. Yeah. And maybe. it's just going down and down and down and like I said, the one on one interviews that they had, even when he was getting asked questions, he wasn't there at points getting asked the questions. I mean the comments you mentioned there about if you're not a fan of Kepka before, you're not going to be now. I've been a fan of Kepka for a long time. I right? I respect him. Yeah, I like that's the thing. The respect is there. If you want, if you think you are that good, why? Sure. If I drop a form, why would you not believe that anymore? I think it was Sean Foley that was because obviously he featured quite prominently as a ex coach of Tiger Woods and that. Yeah, yeah. He went on to say that. Brooks between 2018 and 2019 when he went on to win f- was it four majors in two years? Yeah. US Open twice PGA. Yeah. Yeah. Well I think it was maybe over three years. But yeah to win four majors in that short period of time outside of what Tiger has achieved was probably the best golf that was played that decade. Oh 100%. And he's gone from going there to skyrocket into world number one and everyone talked about it when it gets to a major Brooks doesn't win PGA Championships. He doesn't win PGA Tour events because he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. He wants majors and majors only. And it was Major Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he got the injuries. He couldn't do what he used to do. I can relate to that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. But he didn't know how to cope with that. Because the, the mind doesn't change. It's not winning mentality. Yeah. And... Tiger Woods has got that as well. Like, these top, top guys have got that. But there are some that are just over the top on it. 
Tiger's another one. When I said, I can't remember what episode it was, we were talking about him. He will not quit. He doesn't have it in his armory. Mm. Now, he came out to a point and actually reiterated that just <laughs> yeah. in the, in the uh, interviews of up to the Riviera style. <laughs> Time could be any better. Nah, I had a quick phone call with the guy. Eh? So just, <laughs> just go way back, that laddie. We're going way back. But Brooks is the same. Brooks is only interested in winning. Now, that's going to come across for a lot of people as arrogant, disrespectful to the rest of the competitors on the course. Unlucky. Henry Oliver is not a team sport. Well, it's not. PJ Tour and Majors are not. You're out there for yourself. You exactly. might have friends like JT and Spieth and be able to have a conversation with them afterwards if you maybe lose out a couple of days later. But <laughs> Brooks isn't out there to make friends. No. Like, again, it was quite on the <laughs> on the knuckle when he would turn around and say, you could put the subtitles on it. It comes up with two different ways of saying it. It was like, it was either people are trying to step on my throne and I'll step on theirs. I think more accurately what he said was people are going to try and step on my throat and I'll step on theirs. Yeah. He didn't give a two shits. I'm here to win. I don't care about the rest of you. I love the honesty though, man. I love the honesty, man. I mean, you're not there to be every, like you said, every friend. Nope. You're there to win. You're there to take a check at home at the end of the week. You're there to make a shit. They said, a couple of them said in the episodes, we're contractors. We're self-employed. Yeah. Like we need to make the money to bring home the families and that. We're not there to make friends. And I thought... If you don't have a good Thursday, Friday, you go home with nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was good that Nefis did that as well. Showed like the winnings you would get. Oh, nothing, the, the, nothing you would get for a missed cut as well. But, yeah, I think any like-minded person when they watch the Brooks episode will say, you can't help but respect him. He's think, not a bad nah, guy for I, doing it. I think... You and I can sit there and say that because we do respect him going before this. I think those that sit on the fence, because some people don't appreciate the that arrogant aspect of competitors. It's the craft that comes with it. So a lot of people, like again, go to another sport that we both enjoy. Ronaldo, you either like him or you don't. Mm. You either respect the hell out of what he's able to do, or you don't like him because of his arrogance or big-headedness mm. and single-mindedness like again go back to golf Tiger Woods between 1999 and 2008 was the most single-minded person he wouldn't acknowledge anybody else on the golf course but he was the most successful golfer but in reality Ronaldo what kind of stars could be looked at as the most successful football player yeah due to the fact is that they were single-minded like you said they had one goal you have to be that driven you You have have to. to be and you yeah. can't hate on somebody for that. I mean, I mean, you Brooks... can. People can do what they want, but <laughs> but it's just. I think they like Brooks said. He just doesn't give a shit. Though he, me and you talking about him now, even if we were to pay him the biggest amount of respect, he doesn't give a shit. No, we mean no. He knows what he can achieve. He knows what he's good at. He's just not able to do it at the moment. No, don't perform. Big, big drop of confidence. You said you it yourself. I agree with you on that, mate. The, he the needed, he needed someone that was going to address his mental health for me. Yeah. I was absolutely... Like, we have another in another episode someone who was obviously clearly lacking in confidence and belief. And But Brooks's was more scary because the other person's, we'll come on to it, was more life experience. Yeah. Was why he was yeah. mentally where he was at. 
Brooks's was just because he'd had something that he enjoyed. Well, I don't actually even think he likes golf. I'm going to say it. <laughs> because he was talking when he first started, he was a baseball player. Yeah. He was even talking, I don't know where they got the clip from. It might even have been at the Genesis Open or the Genesis Invitational or the Waste Management. He was talking to another golfer in a practice round and they were talking, going, ah, oh, so have you always been this good at different sports? And he was like, yeah, I used to play baseball. God, I wish I kept playing it. I don't think he likes golf, personally. I think he realizes he can make a very good, or at, to that point was able to make a very good career from it. Mm-hmm. Driven enough to know that he had ability in the game yeah. and work his ass off to be able to be good enough to win a lot of money. I don't think he loves the game. And That's I think these now... To bring it down to the average man or woman, I think he's in a job that he doesn't like, but he's not getting any benefits from it, or he's not feeling like he's getting the reward from it. So now he feels like he's stuck and pigeonholed. And I think that was kind of why he made the choice he made with what Tory wants to play on. Yeah, well, awesome. So the end of the episode as well, the thing that I highlighted for me was the uh, the final question to Brooks. Um, the final question or the final look? The f- that's the thing that I loved. It was the look. You know, obviously we know far in advance when it was recorded but it was just the look <laughs> he doesn't give a shit mate he he said yeah like he didn't answer the question he didn't say yeah he said yes with his eyes he said yeah yeah okay I'm going but I'm not going to say the words out loud yeah it was that smile as well mate it was good it was but good. again like again going back to the whole idea of this episode being a polar opposites it was good to see that we're talking about when Brooks would win he was that single minded driven just complete and utter competitor mm. not that Scotty Sheffield can't be that, mm. but he's a lot more softer and friendlier about, but can still win. Still and win well. very well, still win very yeah. big events, get to world number one. Just a completely different way from how Brooks did it. Yeah. So I liked how they balanced that episode out. Yeah. I liked that a lot, man. I mean, Scotty's obviously a religious man. We've seen that footage in that as well. Um, very dedicated to his wife. It was just the two to see behind the scenes. And then obviously the year that you had. I mean, up until the, was it the Masters? Four, and, four wins? And he'd five? won... What did he won? Won the, way, won the Waste Management. Yeah, it was his first, wasn't it? Then he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Yep. Then he won the World Golf Match Play. And then it was the Masters, then so it was, it was four. Yeah. yeah. Four and six. Four and six, that's what it was. So, yeah, four and six starts. I mean, that was a... <laughs> yeah. Skyrocket, skyrocket you to world number yeah, one. big time, man. And again, you mentioned that the, the calmness about him. It well, was refreshing. Compared to, like, we were talking he didn't, about... I think he didn't think he was that good. Because it wasn't shown in the documentary, but I don't obviously remember him winning the Masters, because I'm a massive fan of the Masters, so yep. I always pay attention to that. He went into the weekend, because he was leading, going, he didn't think he had enough to get over the line even having won three big competitions on the back of it, coming into a major, he still didn't think he was at the point to win a major. Now, that obviously wasn't shown in the documentary, but he went on to go and do it. So I think he still, at that point, was underrating himself, figuring himself out. Is he... Again, this sounds a bit like in a future episode, but is he uh, good enough to, to win the majors? Obviously, he's proven that he can now. Yeah. But then he went on a bit of a wasn't a cold front but he didn't win again until last weekend yeah so he'd almost gone a full year without winning 
I mean, the but he was, be the he masters. was, you'd be like, you'd be happy anyway, would you? <laughs> yeah, but if you look at it, he was there or thereabouts because he still was leading going into the FedEx before, obviously, Rory pipped him. Yeah, it was ten short advantage, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. So he and he was still there or thereabouts come the weekend of the PJ Championships and stuff there like that. There was no so, much cuts around the guy. No, he, so he, he, did, he didn't, he didn't like have a massive drop off. He just yeah. didn't win again on, yeah. on tour. So again, all the boys found form at that point. And also, we see what happened last. Proves, the rest how, of di- that year. proves how difficult it is to win on the tour. Yeah, it's frightening, man. So yeah, good episode though, mate. I really enjoyed that one as well. I said you want to hear me say this at the end of the part of the review of each episode. It was amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. So. um this one, I look forward to that quite a bit. <laughs> Episode 3, Money or Legacy. Centering itself around, they're always entertaining. They're always informative. They're always controversial. <laughs> Correct the Mundo. Uh, Ian Poulter, and obviously the involvement from Liv. Um Yeah. We know Poulter, you get what you get. I did like watching him throw his... I think they might have been our club, but I think they were more alignment sticks at the lockers. Um, that was when he lost the Fitzy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. In the World Golf match play. He bought them, must be honest. <laughs> you know I mean? he, he won comfortably, mm. but like Poots said going through it, like he, he gifted, for Poots' ability and stature in match play golf, outside mm. of stroke play, in match play is prowess. He gifted him so many holes in that competition, but... Yeah. Yeah, he went out, and that I think he wasn't so annoyed that he'd lost that. It was more that that kept him sixty fourth in the world, which meant he wasn't gonna get to the Masters. Mm-hmm. He wasn't gonna make another event because it's the top sixty that get into that. So he was pissed off with that. He then went home, and a certain competition started in London while he was at home. So he decided to take part. Yeah, again, though, I mean, has he's got quite a big family. We know that. Um, but it was good to see the, the background. Kids, the wife, yeah. Yeah. A young boy, a son, obviously looking to be a... Which one? He's got two. Well, look. <laughs> the oldest one, yeah. yeah. He looks to, looking to be a pro golfer at some point. Um, had a couple of shots at him. Hitting the ball about in that as well. Had his youngest hitting when they were back home. Yeah. Into the field. Yeah. Again, I think it's kind of like Brooks. If you don't like Poole before, you're not going to like him after this episode. You're not going to learn anything more than you don't already maybe... The, the, the opinion that you formulated of him already. We know who he is. We've we've watched him for years. We know the kind of the mannerisms he's got and that, like how his attitude is and that. I'm just trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody that doesn't know anything about golf, that flicks on Netflix, watches the series, and what's the view going to be on him? He would have probably come across as a bit of a temper tantrum mm. because he he was throwing little mini temper tantrums and then sort of trying to evade the live golf question. That was good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And obviously, I can't remember what the other question. What was kind of question she, is that? I can't remember what the other. The first question that she, the reporter asked him, and he he repeated it back in that sort of same sense, and then went, "Does a bear shit in the woods?" Yeah. Is the Pope a Catholic? It does come across a little bit petulant. I can't lie, but but you're saying that same thing as well when it comes to the Ryder Cup. How much it means to him as well. Um, he gave those same sort of responses. Now. Obviously, we know what happened with Poulter. I mean, Centurion, London, first love event. He was there, but he wasn't alone. No, so was Westy, you know I mean? DJ. Gary McDowell. Yeah. Oh, they were all there as well, but there wasn't any sort of storm around them at that time. When you could say that Westwood had, has had a 
pretty good couple of years well, he, on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, his run, obviously, won in the... Um, Race to Dubai. Yeah, Where was the stole, competition stole it off Fitzy. Yeah, yeah. But I think kind of what Poulter alluded himself to, like he, he he plays or he sees himself as a personality on the tours. With that, if you present yourself as a personality on the tour, you're always going to be someone that they want to go and ask questions of. They want to make you make a statement that's yeah. going to be a bigger story than it is. Yeah. The line of question that they gave was fucking ridiculous if I'm going to be honest like oh if Putin makes a league you, you'd play for like, fuck off just because you want to make it about America versus the world was how it came across to me they're and, poor golfers they're not politicians they're not humanitarians and that sort of fucking life they're golfers we're going to keep this a golf podcast but but to to drop a tiny bit of politics into it we don't complain when heads of state and our own in this country at the time clown bojo refused to get accept any oil from or gas from Russia, went running to Saudi Arabia to make deals. We didn't hold him to the moral standings that we tried to hold in this country as reporters in America. Pro-golfers. How can we go and throw all this abuse at them over the dirty money claims and obviously Saudi Arabia's very well publicised poor humanitarian standards? That's not untrue. That's there. It's clear as daylight. A golfer's not going to fix that. It's, it's not up it. to Lee Westwood or Ian Porter or Dustin yeah. Johnson to sit there and go, I've come here to make sure that Saudi Arabia no longer treats their people. That... You can't do that when your heads of states are doing fucking deals for money, masses of money on oil and everything else. It's just... The whole that line of questioning and being about dirty money and where the money comes from really pisses me off. Because if you delve high, far enough into the PGA Tours money, I'm sure well, there will be some skeletons in that closet. Big time, man. Big time. I mean, like, like you said when he was asked the question, I don't need to answer that question. He's right. Hmm. They're golfers. They are golfers. They're not. I mean, you see at Newcastle United when they were bought over. Obviously, the players getting asked questions at the press conferences. Kieran Tupper. Which they'll have never, ever considered in their life. Never. Never. It's a joke. I mean, the guys are there to play golf. Let them fucking go We hold that. We hold athletes to such a higher standard oh, than God. we do the people who should be running countries. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's anyway, frightening. politics over people. But yeah, I mean, that episode, obviously, we know Porter's history in the Ryder Cup. The man's never lost a singles match. Hold his fucking head very high with that start. And how much it means to him as well when you've seen that when he was obviously talking about the move to live and he might not get picked again to play in the Cup. I mean, we obviously, he's never, never going to be captain. Yeah, that's the worst part of him, yeah. We've mentioned it previously that certain boys well, won't get picked to be captains. Two, yeah. But when you see the player himself sort of spilling his guts about that and how it makes him feel, it was, it was quite sad, to be honest, because the guy's given a lot to the Cup Europe team. Eh? And, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was shown in the footage, but obviously he was booed. <laughs> it's Andrews, wasn't he? For the Open. Yeah, but that's just fickle golf fans. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but again, Poulter always divided opinion. Like He kind of is a bit Marmite. You either like him or you don't before that. And again, it comes down to maybe more so than Brooks. It, his arrogance was hard at times to justify because he didn't win on tour enough as his arrogance and his level of belief maybe suggested he it could 
He kept you entertained, though, eh? He kept you in the middle the, the, the outfits that you had. I mean, what was it? Some... The hairstyles, more, as he put it. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Nah. Oh, it was good. It was good, good looking back as well, actually. I thought of back in the day, and, like, his sort of success, if you can call it that. Um, good episode. I think... Again, I, I can't argue with his morals and this. I respect the guy, yeah. I do respect the guy. We haven't got to the episode yet, but DJ sums up anyone's decision to live. Well, like, I love the fact that he had the balls just to call it a spade's a spade. Dumb. Yeah. It's a business decision. Why the fuck would I not go to somewhere that's going to pay me? Like, you and I both have jobs. If I could find that job doing the exact same thing that says you're only going to work half the week and I'm going to pay you three to four times more. Um, on a moral stance, I Get think fucked. I'm going to reject your own. Of course, I'm going to fucking take it. Everybody would take it, man. That's the thing. These people were fucking not everybody because there were some on the PJ tour that were offered the money that yeah. didn't take it. But in this regard, though, I mean, oh. the reasons to take it are evident. They're clear. His family, like his kids, kids, grandkids, grandkids, are set for life. They're set for life now. And who? I, I would. Oh, mate, I'm not going to try and dream of a scenario for myself going through that, but I think 99.9% of people would accept. Especially at where Puta was in his career. Yeah. Westwood, McDowell. They guys were looking for a new direction. Oh, oh we Sli- live. Slightly different when you talk about maybe the likes of Thomas Peters and Cameron Smith. Like, Even DJ. They'll, they'll have had whatever, however they want to justify DJ, I would still put him in the category of Pultz. Not that he was on retirement, but... He's got two majors. He's won every year he's been on the PGA Tour. He's got millions upon millions of money. He doesn't need to go... He didn't need to go to live to make money. No. But he could go to live to make enough money that's going to set him and his kids and the family and then future family <laughs> up forever. Yeah. So that's why they made the choice. I just... I, I appreciated the fact that DJ was just... Just straight up. That's just his character, though. He just straight, is straight up. Yeah. But we are jumping ahead. <laughs> just a bit. Actually, I just noticed that, yeah. That's episode yeah. five. Episode four. This one is where the tears started coming. Oh out. God! Well, yeah, not, one of not two. quite, but one of two maybe emotional episodes. Yeah. Episode four: Imposter Syndrome. Um, I'm now a Joel Damon fan. I'm a Joel Damon fan. I'm not gonna lie, mate. Wasn't really. I I'd seen the name on the leaderboard in a few competitions, yeah. but I hadn't ever paid enough attention to f- to to learn anything more about him no. or care anything more about him. I will always look out for his name now. Yeah, I mean, that quote, someone has to be... 71st best, or the 70th... The 70th best player in the world. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was brilliant. You can't argue with the guy, but then you go deeper in the episode as it goes on. Oh, you find out why he thinks like that. Yeah, and his caddy, he's a Gino. Gino the caddy, yeah. best friend, grew up together. A respectable golfer in his own time, back in the day. Some of the way they were talking to each other, though, it was hard to see how they were best friends. That's why they are best friends. But some of the stuff was like... But it was just, I think because they were a bit dry, especially yeah. Gino was a bit dry in it. Like, when obviously shit was not going well for Joel on one competition, he's like, do you want to just say your back's fucked and we'll, <laughs> and we'll fuck off? Should we just go home now? And I'm, I'm like, not getting paid this week. And I'm like, <laughs> as your caddy, one, your living is reliant on him playing well. Yeah. That's your purpose. What you need him to do is play well so you get money. Secondly, 
he's not going to start playing well if that's what you're saying to him. Yeah. But he obviously knows him because of his, uh, the letter that he sent him as boys oh, to, to get the job was brilliant. Yeah. But they've obviously built their relationship up for so many years that he knows he can talk to him that way. So it was it just, from an outside point of view, I'm like, I can't see how you're going to turn him into playing a, a mm. top 30 golfer as you, as you see him, as he states that he could quite comfortably be one of the best golfers in the top 30 of the world. But he questions whether or not he wants to. Yeah. But, but yeah. the amount of folk like you know around them that do tell them these things day in day out, like you are capable of this, and you're capable. Max Homer was in it, so he was yeah. constantly telling him, yeah. saying, "If we ever have a drink, it always ends up where me at the end of the night just telling him how good a golfer he could be if he just started to believe it himself." Yeah. But yeah, I really felt for him. Obviously, you hear about his mother's story when he was a kid, and obviously, he maybe he decided to try and handle the grief by not grieving. And that's stayed with him. Then later on, as a was it twenty three? I think he was at the time. He gets testicular cancer. Yeah, that came out nowhere. Yeah. And he's like, "All right, so now I've got to deal with this." Yeah, and he's already witnessed one person not win a battle with cancer. <laughs> Christ, what does that do to a man's head? Yeah, it was quite a quick turnaround. The relative his mum being diagnosed and obviously passing away. So the guy's been through some shit. Yeah, to put it lightly, the guy's been through some shit, but he's um, looks to be quite a resilient guy, and he's quite happy go lucky in the sense of well, well, if it works out, it works out. If not, I mean, the guy's got a kid in the way now. Well, I think I was just about to say I think there were two events through that episode, but I think in his current stage of life that yeah. have maybe made him reevaluate and reconsider his position on the tour and his his stance towards his position on the tour. One, becoming a father. And you saw that when they were going out and buying the pram and stuff like that. For... <laughs> was funny. And then, secondly, making the US Open through qualifying and then performing very, very well that week. Yeah. Kind of showed him, shit, I can do this. I can knock it with the best of them. Yeah, that's switching his head just went off, that? Just goes to show you what drinking at halftime can do, guys. <laughs> yeah. I love that, that so much. It's like, you, obviously they went they made all the big effort to follow him at the qualifying and so you're thinking right this must be poignant to this episode for him yeah. because if you if you'd followed him before you realize he made the qualification to the yeah. US Open and he, he played well anyway but I didn't because I, like I said I didn't really follow this guy beforehand so they followed him out with the tour to qualify for the US Open and the first round couldn't have gone worse for him and I'm thinking why are we watching this? Why are we watching a guy who doesn't believe he's good enough to be in the top 30 of the world of the tour or push to try and ever mm-hmm. contend in majors and yeah. the rest of it? Why am I watching him fail at qualifying? I don't I don't get the point. Then cut to the pub or the, the club <laughs> and the guy drops a couple of cans of white claw on the table. That's what it was, white claw, yeah. <laughs> drink, the, drink the white claw and then go out and absolutely smash the back yeah. the, the second round. And qualify. I was like, that's why we're watching this. What a great story. Yeah. Just such a nice guy. Yeah. Nice family. I mean, Gino was quite a big part of his life, obviously, and does his job very well. Yeah. Got to give it to him, man. Like you said, there must work between them. The the shit they go through, the back and forth bullshit they go through in that as well, and it works well. Yeah. Yeah. Good episode, mate. Um, Yeah, definitely a top 30 golfer on his day. On his day, but again, I've said it in previous episodes, I 
I dislike the phrase on his day because any golfer on their day can win a competition. Apart from me. Okay, sorry. Any PGA Tour pro <laughs> on their day can win a competition. <laughs> <laughs> it just, a lot of things need to align. Yeah. Some are more likely to win than others because some have maybe more ability but as it's stated Joel in his even in his amateur career as a kid had a very natural ability to strike the golf ball yeah he didn't really overly train work hard you didn't really see him with coaches at that stage he was just naturally gifted but his life lessons up to that point had taught him not to maybe expect too much of himself and expect too much of life because he hadn't had maybe many successes yeah so anyway no good episode man definitely which then takes us nicely on to episode 5 and obviously Tom touched on a wee bit uh, before the episode centres around Dustin Johnson and our man Matt Fitzpatrick yeah now before we go on to Matt <laughs> um, my takeaway from that episode was like we've discussed it anyway but Dustin Johnson's honesty yeah? like there's no bullshit there's no he just is what he is. You, you may you may see him as quiet or dry. But I I tended to watch quite a lot of the tailor made promo stuff that they would do on the YouTube channel. Yeah, they would obviously do, yeah. Yeah. and you'd get the group of the ambassadors, the top guys, mm-hmm. and they would be doing different things. DJ was always funny in them. Yeah, he would always make it was very dry, but yeah. he would make very dry comments that made me giggle. So. I've always known he's quite funny. Like, turning around and telling a guy to get his, car, his buggy car out of the, the fucking fuck shot. <laughs> so I'm trying to work to make the tours. You need some putting lessons. Yeah. <laughs> and he just, he is. He just calls it as he sees it. Yeah. He's not any stress. He doesn't... I think he's very confident. He's very... He's got a strong belief in his ability. Him turning around and saying that he doesn't think by his move to live that it's going to affect his legacy in the game and uh, that he's got really nothing left to prove. I kind of think he's right. I can't disagree with that. I can't disagree with that. I mean, one number one, major winner. One every year he was on tour? Every year, yeah. Yeah, so, the guy was up there all the time. I mean, was one of the first guys to be like... Probably should have three or four majors more than he did. Because he came, he had that many heartbreaks in final days of majors. Yeah, he wasn't doing successful in the Open, was he? I wasn't close to... No, but more successful in America, obviously. Um, but DJ's been one of those guys that's been sort of front and center with Rory the last ten years. I would say, like you said, Taylor made connection in that as well. I mean, yeah. he was one of the first guys with Rory to be like, bombing the drives, like for days. Like, but, but the ball would just take off. I mean, that's the oh. thing. Everyone talks about DJ with his length, and it's it's there for all to see. He's huge off the tee. I think I remember. I can't remember what the par four. I think it was, I think it's the twelfth. That's and the, oh, I'm going to put to the name. It's the one in Hawaii. It's the Century of Tournament. Honolulu. No, it's not Honolulu. That's it's Kapalua. Oh yeah, Kapalua yeah, Plantation. I yeah, yeah. I think it was the twelfth par four. Now it does play slightly downwind and downhill, but he hit driver on a par four to a foot. I mean, no, yeah, yeah. It just kept so, going. Yeah, and <laughs> just kept going, man. But his yeah. length is always what people... His wedges are so good, it's frightening. Good. He won more tournaments because of his wedges 
I criticise his putting more because it's usually his brother that does all the reading of the greens. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying DJ can't putt. Yeah. Clearly he can, but... it His brother did an awful lot of the green reading mm-hmm. for him and to help him out with it. But his, his wedges were probably more of a contributing factor to his wins mm-hmm. than his driver. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was good with the driver. It was never really... Well, he did, do a, but he did do a very big change because he used to always be a drawer of the ball and he moved to a fade. Mm, that's true, yeah. Because yeah. he didn't like the left miss with his drive. Yeah. But I can't I can't fault the guy. I've loved the guy for years. You know what? Um, I like the honesty. I like the... You're not going to get me down. I'm going to do what's best for me, best for my family, best for my kids. Well, that was it. It was like, do you think people are going to judge your, judge you more for the move? And he just looked at them and it was just like, I could say a politically correct answer. Nah. I just don't care. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, fair play. Love him, mate. Love him. Um, yeah. Matt Fitzpatrick. In that episode. And I... I learned a lot. I learned a lot about Fitzy in this episode. I think everyone learned a lot about Fitzy. Holy fuck, man. The guy is... Literally... The world's... Encyclopedia of how to track... Every shot you've ever hit. Every single golf shot. And they're what, 14, you said? 14 or 15, yeah. Every single shot. And his brother asked him one as well. Does that count on the range as well? Aye. Yes. Like, fuck it. What? Every single shot. And, yeah, I mean, uh, But from that, he was able to tell himself that compared to the rest of the the guys on the tour when he was trying to break America, Mm. I need more length. Because that's clearly where I'm short compared Fucked to... Like, he's short life. anyway because he's, he's, he's tiny. But he identifies where he needs to improve from this massive catalogue of stats that he has. Yeah. It's frightening. I don't. I couldn't even be bothered to do it. No. Like... I did one year when I was playing well. I went, right, I'm going to try and track how many fairways and regulations, how many greens and regulations, and how many putts do I take on greens. Yeah. It lasted two weeks. So two rounds? No, I played three or four rounds that Except week. I might have been on holiday, but yeah. I just couldn't be bothered after that. I was like, it's just too much effort. I mean, we, Which is we, why I'm not going to ever make no, his ability. No. I mean, for me, the best I would do probably is somewhat similar to yourself as we go and do a couple of rain sessions and start getting yardages for <laughs> how far we're hitting with wedges, how far we're hitting with irons. That's as as far as it goes man but like this guy had boxes upon boxes of books 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 yep every single shot man yeah. how old is he 28 something like that yeah holy but fuck see, <laughs> you see, but you see him even like getting it from the books and then writing it down onto spreadsheets yeah so he's he's, he's collecting at this stage now he's collecting the information twice yeah I mean there was the talk about um, obviously he's somebody that's very close with somebody we mentioned earlier as well uh, Thomas Peters he went and done his scholarship in America and that and he was asked can we out partying and meeting girls and that no I think we know no. why he's busy doing his books and doing his spreadsheets and but being... he's just solely dedicated oh, to bettering himself as a golfer yeah so you have to respect that dedication oh definitely yeah and like you said the change in him as well regarding length off the tee like every that was interviewed was like oh, holy shit yeah his swing speed improvements have been massive I mean, it's good, and good he's, still, he's still doing it now yeah a guy who featured quite a bit in the, the series, to be fair, was Dan Rutherford. 
the John yeah, Most. Yeah, well, they, they were at college together. That's Good where friends. they first met. Yeah. And then, obviously, Boy, continue. Boy, Fudge's biggest fan as well, to be honest. We're going by what he was saying, but, yeah, that was nuts. I mean... Although he put his foot in his mouth, didn't he? Because they were following Fitzy at the PGA when he was going in the last day. And that's where you saw them all around the table with Thomas Peters and Dan. Yeah. And Dan went, oh, yeah, I've just finished doing my... Uh, Report for tomorrow. Fitzy blows it, and he did. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's all. This episode sends itself for Fitzy anyway around the U.S. Open. Yeah, around the PGA and the fit and the yeah. U.S. Open. One not a good story. The other a very, very, very good story. Yeah, it was good. The footage was there. That was good one. Um, U.S. Open wise, I mean to see the shot again. Out the bunker on eighteen was good, but the build up. It was good. To, it was good to relive the back nine as oh. well. Like when he dropped the shot, and you think, "Oh fuck, not again! He's gonna yeah. blow it." And I did actually start re. Like I know, I sat and watched it and yeah. knew what happened. And I start reliving it. I'm like, on the edge of your seat, <laughs> he's gonna blow it again. I'm like, no, I know he wins it. Yeah. Come on, shut the fuck up. I mean, the battle with Zalatoris as well was interesting because I mean, I personally think Zalatoris is a very, very good golfer. He's dangerous. He was in contention. In the PGA, most weekly he was the in the play. He was in the playoff yeah. against Justin Thomas, so yeah. he missed out on two majors. Unfortunately, last year, Clad. I wouldn't have really minded if he'd won the PGA. Yeah, him and Justin Thomas. Yeah, I've got no issues with either one of them winning it. Glad he didn't beat Fitzy yeah. for the US, but I just can't get past his putter. <laughs> like, his putting has improved, but he can still throw one of those wobbly. <sighs> jittery I've never seen someone shank a putter but I think he could I mean Adam Scott has the similar length putter but he seems to be in control when putting when you watch Zalatoris he's in control of his stroke yeah yeah. when you do watch Zalatoris it is a bit frightening to be fair it's terrifying yeah but obviously they're 50 winning that yeah so that bunker shot you you started to allude to holy shit nine iron nine iron both um, everybody was doubting him. Nah, that's it over now. That's well, it done. I even more appreciated watching the win again when you got to hear a little bit more of the crowd. Yeah. Because when obviously he dropped the bogey earlier in the start of the back nine, yeah. you started to hear the Americans shouting, you're in his head, Will, you're in his head. <laughs> and, oh, that's a tough bunker shot now, yeah. big man. You've Oh, you've got, and all this. He's got to be so smoking like, his face as well. I'm comfortable here, man. So I was like, um, yeah. I was really happy that it ended up the way it did. The only thing I would have preferred from this episode was more closer to the caddy player interaction that we got from the previous episode with John. I was crying out for that, mate. Regarding I'm a massive fan is. of Billy, and I didn't get to see enough of Billy in this episode for what I was hoping. Yeah, there should be a lot more. I said to you before this even came out, my hope is there's a lot of interaction between Matt and, and Billy. Billy. Billy's history, obviously. Because you, you only got the great wee, wee story at the end. That was brilliant, though. But yeah, I enjoyed that. Fitzy didn't want to do a speech. Billy took over. I'll take it from you, thanks. Um, yeah, the guy's a legend, man, and that win meant a lot to Billy as much as it did to Matt. Well, yeah, you saw him. He was in tears. Yeah, heart before, came down. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing, man. I mean, obviously he's carried for like of Westwood, Dan Clark, and obviously Serbi Ballesteros. Oh, one of the greatest of all time, this. Ballesteros was five years he spent with him. Uh, Billy, go away. I see a gap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Honestly, if people out there that haven't watched it yet, by the way, go and watch the documentary on Seve. Seve. 
oh god amazing man I love you crying as or well. just go on YouTube and just type in Billy's story on yeah. Sevy because yeah. <laughs> oh the way he tells it as well yeah God, don't do the accent anyway no but yeah that, Billy, uh, Billy Foster very good episode it. again mate really enjoyed that learned a lot about Fitzy um, I, I would say the big letdown for me and I'm guessing you as well there wasn't enough interaction with Billy yeah well there could be a lot more just like even I would have been happy had they just had a bit more of a conversation between him and Fitzy on the back nine at the US Open just as a comparison for what they'd done four weeks before at the PGA to then what changed what what had they learned from that experience of the mm-hmm. final day of the PGA Championship to then how they handled themselves held themselves and the the pace of what they decided to do in the US Open especially with at times a hostile American crowd obviously because it kind of well it did turn into a, a match play event mm-hmm. America against England yeah so they're always going to side with their own don't dis- don't disrespect them for that and I mm. don't disagree with them no. wanting Will to win over Matty that's where a caddy like Billy Foster, with what he's got experience-wise in the game, yeah. would have really shown his top-quality skill set in how he managed to help Fitzy get that tournament done. I think it was a missed opportunity. Big time, yeah. I, I would give you that. And obviously, Mark is no stranger to that course anyway, winning the um, the amateur the there. amateur as well as a kid. But yeah, good episode. Barnum was saying regarding Billy. So that brings us on to probably the most emotional episode of the series. I was tearing up, mate. No, episode six. Don't get bitter, get better. It's a good mantra. Yeah, yeah. Some golfer who I think was quite big in the game came up with that motto. Do tell. It might be Tiger Woods. But this one was supposedly meant to centre around Tony Finau and Colin Morikawa. I think this was the Tony Finau episode. I think we both agree on that. Yeah. There's, there's a quite a bit that could have... Colin got maybe about 10 minutes. Uh, what, a possible 40? Yeah, 40 to 46 minutes or whatever the, the episode running time was. But Colin had wee snippets in other episodes for two minutes here or there. But yeah, his time was sort of pushed aside when I think the story behind Tony Finau was just too too prominent for Netflix to not focus on. It was a shame though because we don't know Colin's backstory. Yeah, you didn't really learn anything more than you already no. know about Colin. I mean the contrast between the two of them as well. I mean, excuse me, Tony was the, the family man. He is the family man. Yeah, but it's, that's his heritage and his background. He's Samoan type. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that... They are solely around family. You saw by the size of the family that was yeah. there celebrating his wins at the end of the, the career. I love uh, that the, bit, mate. I season. love that. Yeah. There were big signs in that airport and everybody was there for him and celebrating yeah. after the end. And that wasn't as big as a family could have been. <laughs> was it no. not his grand that was there or something that said... This is a quarter of us, yeah. <laughs> but that's just that's their culture. They're just very big family orientated. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's, it's good for if you win, they win. Yeah, it's good to see, man. I mean, yeah. the background of his family. I mean, obviously, the centered around his family a lot, but we've got a bit of like backstory between Tony growing up with his brother. Yeah, his, his and, and it was quite an unprivileged upbringing. Yeah, quite often they were quite poor. Yeah, 
Yeah. Trying to having no real background in golf apart from watching Tiger win. Nineteen eighty seven. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole sticking a mattress up on the garage door I on the inside that. and just hammering golf balls at it and then <laughs> the door itself on the outside as well. <laughs> just absolutely pasted, man. It was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean his, his dad tried to get both of them at the golf, obviously. They took it up. But he did that really just to keep them out of trouble. Yeah. The neighbourhood they lived in was quite rough, obviously. There was like mentions of like kind of hearing like gang wars going on and gunshots going off. I mean it happens in America and every different place that there is, but like Tony's father thought. Yeah, fair play to him. He, he tried to capitalise maybe on the fact that his boys had watched Tiger win and, mm-hmm. and as Tony clearly stated, he has the same skin colour as me. Yeah. So if he can do it, there's another path for me. Yeah. And I think his dad capitalised on that and, well, I think it was a very good decision. Yeah. As Tony is... I've always had a soft spot for Tony. You always have me, yeah. You, you I've him, yeah. always liked him. Um... He's had some moments on tour where he's won, not as much as he probably should have, which was alluded to throughout the episode. Bit of a running theme that he was the the almost guy. The nearly man. Yeah. Yeah. Um but the one that always stands out to me was I'm sure he finished I wanna say in the top five of the Masters, having nearly broken his leg in the par three competition on the oh, Wednesday. God, that was yeah. After getting a hole in one. And celebrating and then snap. <laughs> yeah so I've always sort of really liked him since that because that's a hell of a golf to come back from doing your your ankle in that badly and you saw on the photos throughout the, the week as the competition progressed how bad it had swollen up and yep. the bruising around it yeah. and how much tape he had on it and he still managed to finish on arguably a, a tough tough golf course and a hilly golf course yeah. to finish in the top five that year good on him yeah that's same man I mean what um, shocked me I said well no, he's a family man loves his family but the, the commitment he made to his family that wow year. mate I mean his wife's father died and the decision was made to take his family on tour and it's not just a wife and two kids it's a wife and four five kids he's got yeah some of, I couldn't remember how someone many, a bit older a couple of them a bit younger that's a commitment and a half. Yeah. That stuck out to me big time. Like, that's something, I mean... But that was just, <laughs> again, I think that's his culture, his, his upbringing. Um, but, yeah, massive respect and kudos. To be able to be that present to know, yes, I still need to do my job because it's what pays the bills and keeps the roof over the family's head. But my family's more important right now. My wife, who's been my rock throughout my whole process to getting on tour and staying on tour she needs me mm. she needs me to be there to support her might mean that my golf takes a dip okay I'm still going to be able to pay the bills but I'm doing the more important job at this point golf is secondary yeah. that was really good to see I mean deluded to the fact as well that um, Tony lost his mum as well. well Tony when, alluded to how Tony lost his mum in his in that yeah, charity that thing. And, and pulled the heartstrings straight away, and obviously his wife, the impact she had, bringing him back. I was watching this episode on a break at work. <laughs> what mistake that was it? <laughs> Not the most um, private place to watch an episode that's oh my god bringing the tears out in you. Yeah. So thanks for that one, Tony. But yeah, oh, it was good uh, to see. Well, it's just yeah. I mean, I was centered around Tony. We can agree on that. 
I mean, like I said, the contrast between the two of them as well. You look at that, like Tony's. Well, Colin's just to... starting his his life. He's got his fiance. His wee dog. His wee dog. <laughs> I mean, Tony's got his family to worry about. Colin's got a dog to worry about. Well played, sir. Well played. Who goes on the private jet wearing socks or yeah. slippers or whatever they were. But yeah, Did I put boots on a so dog. So you can see how they were in total different stages of yep. their their life. Um, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of Colin, just to get to understand his background and. Yeah. You just didn't get that. He's had success. I mean, it wasn't well, really... Two-time major champion. There wasn't a lot on that either. Race to really? Dubai. Winner. So, and obviously, again, not unlike Jordan Spieth when he came on the tour and blew up very early on, there was all these comparisons made with Tiger Woods and yeah. saying that he was potentially the new one to take over the throne. I don't get that label myself, but we're not going to that. Um, that's the label he was given. Like I said, two-time major I, champion. I think it's just because of the success he's had so early in his career and possibly, for them, skin colour. But that's... that's... Yeah, there could have been a lot more for Colin. And obviously it goes back, he jumps back again to Tony, wrapping up the episode. Um, the back-to-back wins. Yeah. I mean, that was big news. We we spoke about the back then, how big it was. And like, finally! He's well, he'd won, he'd won once before then, and I, th- I want to say it was the Sony Open in Hawaii that he'd won maybe before that but then obviously he won the 3M and I fail to remember what it was the week after the Rocket Mortgage that's the one yeah Um, but it was good that you had the family there for the the first one that is obviously close family because obviously his family is very big Um, and then I think the second one the week after his boy wasn't he there his eldest yeah, he, he was playing, playing so himself. he gave yeah. him a wee shout out and you could see he was getting quite emotional again about yeah. it. So, But we have these guys on tour. Bubba Watson's known to cry quite a bit if he gets to do a winner's speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he can't hold the back, man. He can't hold the back. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, I don't mind watching a player that wears their heart on the strings. I think it's good to see. I think it's more real than maybe someone who's just so used to winning that it's almost robotic when you see them cut up and just do the standard thank yous and make their way to the... Yeah, and this is where I go back to Bruce Koepka. I love the fucking honesty, man. You know, he, he, Dustin Johnson, like, I don't give a fucking shit what you think. I'm going to go and try and win. Am I upset? Yeah, I'm pissed off. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Like you said, the robotic sportsman does not interest me at all. Yeah. I like the emotion. I like the raw emotion, the anger. I mean, yeah. With Tony... He wasn't shy. He's just the all-round nice guy, though, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. You, you can't not like Tony. No. No, no. And I'm Fun. sure there'll be some out there that don't, and unlucky on your side of things, yeah. you lose out there, What's up my opinion. Chart? What's up chart? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I've always liked Tony. I think he's just too easy to like, and he's very easy to root for. Yeah. I want to see him do well, and I, I would love to see him win a major. Yeah. No, I, I think I might... I think it's going to happen. He's, he is a good golfer. Everybody that they interviewed all said the same thing. It's just his putting. Why is this guy not winning majors? Why is he not winning week in, week out? But we can't. But there's that many. You can, there's that many on tour that you've. That, there's a few that even like, like you're saying, Will Zalatoris was close to winning two majors last year. Yeah. But his game, apart from his putting, his game is that good that he should be at least within a shout of winning twice on tour every year. Yeah. It's just, it's not easy to Rob do. Rob of the it. green. Rob of the green, my man. But yeah, good episode again. 
mainly centered around Tony Fiona. I expect them more from Colin Marikawa. But still. I kind of think they went in the direction of Tony when they once they realized the storyline of Tony's year. Yeah, it was kind of hard not to give it as much airtime. Mm. So yeah. I think Colin would have maybe benefited being in a different episode. Yeah. I mean, the Hunt episode was, was a, a two-man job, one-man job. Yeah, if That could have been if, a funeral episode by itself. Yeah, if they'd stuck maybe Colin alongside Poulter, because Poulter's was kind of just as him, you could have maybe gone half and half there. I was about to say could have put with McElroy, but McElroy deserves an episode by himself, let's be honest. Did he? Yeah. Okay. I think so, yeah. Okay. It's really McElroy, mate. Okay. You know, that's like saying... Oh, Tiger Woods, you want to share an episode with three other guys? No, that's, that's, that's not happening. Okay. <laughs> we agree to disagree. But yeah, perfect. So, moving on to episode seven. This one is an episode I think a lot of people coming into golf need to watch. I certainly even think in existing golfers, because I didn't really watch... Every year there are rookies that come on to the tour. Mm-hmm. Now you maybe make more of an attempt to look out for them early doors now than you did previously because yeah. they didn't really come out and make it. A lot of um, uh, rookies would come on, they'd maybe stay for a year or two and then they'd maybe drop off and have to go back to the Corn Ferry. Zolotolis is one of them. But be, he's the first one that I sort of picked up on rookie-wise. He did tear it up on the Corn Ferry. But then. They all come out of college now. Like your Morikawa, Ram... Zala Torres, Matt Wolf when he first started before he went to live. Just fucking swing and golf. <laughs> I'm going to say the things they mentioned, but I'm sorry, but but then obviously the two that we now have in this episode: Mito Pereira, who has coincidentally now gone to live, yeah. and Sahith Thagala. I've gotten used to saying that one because I like. I'm so I like impressed, watch, man. Yeah, I actually quite liked watching Thagala because he, for no real in like, it was kind of fluke on my part. It was just. I think it was actually the waste management when he, he just suddenly appeared on the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. Out of nowhere, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch it. And then obviously you see a bit more of him because he was playing well. Yeah. And then just narrowly missed out with that unfortunate tee shot 17. So I've kind of looked out for him all of last year and then through His this name's year. always there. He's getting the footage and that from the PGA Tour. They're, they're focusing on him on shorts and that as well. It's good to see you. Yeah. But a lot of the rookies went under under appreciated in previous years before this sort of cluster yeah. came on and just started winning from within about four or five competitions of them Scary. being on the tour. And then some have won majors on the back of it very yeah. early on in their careers. So you're now looking for the next one that's going to do that. Yeah. So I thought it was very clever for them to pick up on Mito. And I'd have been a rookie he, as well, a 27-year-old. That was surprising. Well, it was the way that he even got onto the tour. Yeah. Because, like they stated, on the Corn Ferry, you play your year, and then if you're in the top whatever, I can't remember what the number is, but then you play a final event to try and get your card. Yeah. Alternatively, if you win three Corn Ferry Tour events, you automatically get your card. That's insane. And that's how Mito did it. Automatic fucking promotion right to the PGA Tour. Which obviously was a contrast to Heath as well. He had um, enough points. Yep. So he did it the PGA. traditional way. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, again, you're making it on the PGA Tour, you're happy either way. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And Point. even then finding out a bit more about Mito, he gave the game up for a while, yeah. which is why he was a lot older, because he and Joaquin Neiman, Neiman yeah. there's a three-year age gap between them, I want to say, yeah. 
I think he was 17, maybe four. Was it, no, 17 and 14, I think they were. Yeah, they were 14. Kids playing in Chile. Yeah, Chile, yeah. yeah. And obviously he gave the game up for a bit. And then that allowed Joaquin, who had always admired Mito growing up, to then make it on tour, start winning. Mito came back to game, got on at the Corn Ferry, and then managed to get his card to the PGA Tour that way. <laughs> So he'd sat and watched the player that had idolised him as a kid go and get all that success and then, for whatever reason, came back to it and good on him, got to the PGA Tour. Yeah. Tour for a year. And had a very... Well, yeah. <laughs> it was an entertaining year for him. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I started noticing his name mid-season. Really? It wasn't until the PGA Championship that I didn't know him. That's what I'm saying. I'm, it wasn't there at all. And I didn't I don't think I even really paid too much attention to him afterwards based on how the the PGA tour ended up happening for him. Yeah. Like how it culminized. Like in my head, watching how it transpired, I'm thinking, You're a rookie on the tour. You're a, an older than normal rookie on tour. Yeah. A defeat like that, I'm thinking you're giving up. You're going home now. Well, even if we go back to like the first tour starts, yeah, he was, them, he was struggling Thigala to make. And was, Pereira, obviously, Thigala got early six six. I mean, he's he finished tied third in the waste. Pereira missed the cut. Yeah, and all the hype was about Pereira at the time. Thigala was going about his business quite quietly in that, and yeah, he's the one that finished tied third. Pereira missed the cut, and did Neiman go win that year? No, Neiman won the Neiman won the, 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 the yeah the Genesis, Genesis yeah. Invitational. So you think to yourself, like, you've had all this sort of knockback, you've come out of the game, come back into the game, your first tour start, you and the other rookie that's been sort of nominated to be looked at and watched, mm-hmm. you missed a cut, he's tied third. But he did keep going. He did keep going. That was yeah. obviously the championship you're talking about. Um, but I think, he, I think what allowed him to keep going and not allow that maybe early upset to his time on the PJ Tour was the family home life that they had, which was obviously, obviously very close-knit with the other Chileans and yeah. South Americans that were on tour. They were all very close. You see them all at Mito's home. Partying. Partying, yeah. having barbecues and stuff like that. Um, keeping it quite close-knit and family so that they always had the support to know that, okay, I can still go out and do. Yeah. And then the PJ Championship happened. Good three days. You had a very good three days. Good 71 holes. There's only one hole. I mean, I think it's Faldo. Faldo in the commentaries asking the I question. I don't understand why he didn't hit three wood. Yeah. Off the tee. He didn't need to hit driver. He wasn't chasing anything. No. It was in his hands. Yeah. I think because he maybe thought he missed the birdie putt on 17 to take a two-shot lead down the last. Mm. I need to make sure I, I see it out. And that's, I'm a maybe above average amateur golfer. I can't even contemplate what his, he's thinking at that point I said a lot I'm, never, I'm well. never going to but I I just didn't understand and it's easy to sit there on the TV and look at it from home and go shouldn't hit that you should be hitting three wood just play it safe and <laughs> then it knock it on fun. the green and then yeah. two part you walk away with a, a massive cup and a big check if it was a chase at the time you'd understand the collapse if, but <laughs> if he was at five under tied with Salvatore's going down trying to make playoff place at that point and yeah. JT's already in at five then yeah okay you're pushing for birdie to try and see it out 
but you've got a one-shot lead. But I've had that complaint about, well, he managed to win it this year at the Dubai Desert Classic, but I had that com- complaint last year with Rory. Yeah. He took on a par five over water in two when he never needed to. Now, he ended up seeing it out this time round yeah. by laying up. And then, so he'd, he'd learned his lesson, but the two days before that, he still hadn't, he still went in the water again because he took it on. I just, yeah, anyway, sorry, keep it to Fucking the, eagles, mate. Keep it to the show. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was good to see the, the route that these two rookies took and how it differed, Yeah, like you say. Even more so from Sahith that he was actually starting to live on his own in his own house using a cardboard box as a well. laundry basket. Yeah, yeah, he missed out on the PGA as well. We sat there watching at home, or he watched me though. Yeah, he wasn't high enough in as the rankings to qualify. Yeah, yeah, I was so surprised. But he, he looked like, well, I don't make it this year. I don't worry about it. Well, I think I think he was very objective. Yeah. Like, yes, I want to be there. Yes, I want to play in any major and every major I can. Mm. I think that's any guy who's good enough to be on the tour is going to think like that. But I haven't gotten the low enough ranking to qualify so yeah. whoever wins I want the support yeah so and the, the fact that you saw a fellow rookie at the top of the leaderboard going into the last day I think it was only common sense that he's gonna try and back his fellow rookie yeah so yeah I do think about it as well since that last year he's uh, popped up in every sort of major tournament as well as the majors have been like every tournament you see the name popping up What's that? Thagala. Thagala, yeah. Yeah. Solid goal for him. I mean, you see the support from his dad. That was amazing. <laughs> his dad obviously had no idea about the game. But well, to be fair, with, again, his cultural background, it's usually... Cricket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As they openly admit. So I think it was brave of Sahith to want to play the game to start with. Mm-hmm. Good on him for doing it, but yeah. really good on the parents for... Encouraging it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and no, his dad, his dad watching it is brilliant. Oh, <laughs> Watching him down 17, like... Tell me that's not in the water. Imagine that man's holiday every week going to watch our boy. But it was fuck the way that they congratulated him after the event. Yeah, like because you could see it in his uh, interview, he was broken. He yeah. was so upset that he'd he'd missed Tears. out on the opportunity yeah, to win it. And then he went out and he hugged his dad, and then I think he's a bit of a mummy's boy. Hugged mm-hmm. his mum and really broke down then. Yeah, but the the way that they tried to pick him up and try and bring him back to let's realise what you've done here what yeah. you've achieved considering where you, where you are yeah yeah I like that that was good but yeah interesting look at a different sort of dynamics regarding the rookie and the PGA too it was interesting yeah yeah um, and as we've said Mito has now since joined live so um, maybe the PGA wasn't for him well <laughs> so is so is Joaquin he went yeah he went before didn't he yeah, yeah. so um, Mito's on his team yeah the talks. Is that what they're called? Yeah. I couldn't work out what I was trying to say in the advert. Eh? Talk. You seen the advert? The full advert? I liked it. You do? Oh, you do like it, don't you? Yeah. I think it's just too fucking cheesy for me liking it. Eh? But, uh, each to their own. I get to watch more golf. I'm happy. Oh, that's dumb. Ambassador for the game, eh? Tom Edgar. So, this was the one. Everything has led to this. Episode 8. Centred around the world number one. Up until last became, week. Became world number one. Yeah. Rory McIlroy, the PGA Tour's unofficial ambassador slash He's not unofficial, he is official. Official spokesperson. He's um, on the board with the PGA Tour. 
which is why he was always the first one that was going to come out with what transpired between the two tours and all the crappy flipping... That was fucking out then. That was good. It was good. It was entertaining for two weeks, then it got tedious. <laughs> yeah. In regards to the episode, Netflix was always fun. It was really good there. Oh, um, yeah. They, they had a lot of the engagement. Yeah, definitely. Um, solid stunts, as we know, from Rory, from day one. It's about legacy, not money. Fair enough. His legacy isn't tart. We know that. Um, his message was live as bad to the game. He's still shooting from the rooftops now he strongly believes that is the case now we've discussed it now and again different episodes see if Liv wasn't backed by Saudi money I don't see how they could stand by the statement that Liv's bad for the game of golf no they couldn't they couldn't that's the, that's the main sort of so that's the whole sticking point on it yeah that's what I've got I'm not saying that I prefer Liv to the PGA I enjoy watching golf all golf I enjoy watching all forms of it all tours, male and female, because I can always learn something from it. Yeah. I don't buy the idea that just because Liv is backed by Saudi dirty money, I'm doing inverted brackets here for those who aren't witnessing it. Yes, we've stated in the political rant that was earlier on in the episode, Saudi Arabia's reputation in the world, to the westernized world, Yeah is shit but that's beside the point for me what Liv is trying to do is just do a different version of golf it's still golf but people want to run it through because it's and I think it's hurt the ego of the American tour that's what I think it, it solely comes down to they're scared that they no longer will have the power they're not top dogs anymore well they still are I still think they outrank Liv how long though? The fact that they've managed to keep the likes of Rory McIlroy beating the drum, Tiger Woods beating the drum, is Jake enough. Jake. Is enough that is going to keep the PGA without its the status quo changing. Yeah, should we say? They they got a shock, I think, when DJ went. Everyone did. I think they all. I think <laughs> they fully expected, as we've stated, the likes of Westwood, Poulter, and all that were going for the retirement fund. Yesterday, man. Yeah. DJ going was, hang on a minute, this guy can still knock it with the best of them. Maybe not playing his great golf at the moment, but more than capable of coming back and, and dominating. Yeah. To a degree, there was still that surrounding idea of Brooks. But they went for money. But they're not going to argue that. They're going to be honest about it. Everything PGA Tour has done since to improve the PGA Tour has been to maintain its grasp of control on the game of golf. They've thrown more money at bigger events, but it only really benefits those who are going to win those events, which are the top golfers, nine times out of ten. So it's not helped the pool of golfers that sit outside maybe the top 50 that are on the PGA Tour. Mm. There's a... I can't remember the name of the podcast, but Daniel Fratelli, South African golfer, was on it. I did link it to our... Um, Instagram account he went on to talk about how he hasn't really seen any of these changes because he's not in the top 50 of the world that are mandatory as was alluded to in this episode by Rory there was a bit of kickback here from these top guys that they mandatory now have to be in these big events that they've put the more money in yeah the player only 
sort of meeting at the HUD in Sanders. Yeah. yeah. No, it was at the BMW. It was at the BMW. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. So, he alluded to the fact that it's maybe changed for those top guys. It's not changed for the ones underneath them no. that, that, that are that level trying to reach to that top 50 group. Because if he wants to talk to the board or Monaghan about stuff, he has to go through three lines of communication before he gets the possibility to. Whereas the likes of Justin Thomas, John Spieth, Roy McIlroy can pick up the phone and almost get a direct line. Yeah. So it's not improved massively. It looks like it has because they've thrown more money at bigger competitions. But it's just to hold, for me, this is only my views, my personal take on it, it's to hold grasp of this control that they have over the game. Not so much, it's a, a great tagline that they can turn around and say, oh, it's dirty Saudi money. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, it's not for me to say, it's not for it, but I think it is. It's solely about the control of golf. The PGA Tour has had that yeah. for decades. Liv has come in and tested this. That's So they're going to throw whatever they can at it to disprove Liv. Yeah, it's doing something that DP can do, really. Well, the DP were never going to do it, and neither, yeah, no. was the, neither was the European Tour, because too many of the golfers that we wanted to elevate the tours went to the PGA, because that's where the money was. Yeah. Again, a money decision. Let's not talk about this. Rory McIlroy, European golfer, European tour player, went as soon as he could to the PGA Tour. Openly, I met a couple of years ago. Why? Because the, the money is yeah. there. I'm going to concentrate on the PGA Tour this year. Was at risk of potentially not making Ryder Cups because the European stated that you needed to make so many events to be eligible to be picked. Rory was putting that agenda. It was only what, two or three years ago he came up with that statement. I'm going to try and work on the PGA Tour more. Maybe four or five years, but yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, but... So he's shown where his loyalty is to yeah. it, even inside his own home tour. Yeah. I'm looking at the state of that now. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> yeah. I've touched on that in the past and I'm not going to get into any more of that. <laughs> anyway, get back to the episode. Um, yeah, so we followed Rory McIlroy. Yeah, basically his uh, sort of pursuit of the 150th Open. To continue his legacy because obviously he's, well, he's got four major championships. He's like Jordan Spieth trying to reach that very limited height of a Grand Slam. Only five golfers have ever done it before. Can yeah. you name them? Oh, Grand Slam. Grand Slam. Right. Nicholas? Yep. Watson? Nope. Ha ha ha! Nope. Tom Watson's not done it. Woods? Yep. That's an easy one. <sighs> Seven? Nope. Shut the bed. Um, oh, thanks, mate. You're welcome. Got the quiz the whole section after this fucking review, you know? Well, what that's I mean? not in there, so. Right. Woods, Nicholas. Yep. Ben Hogan? Yep. Arnold Palmer? Nope. No, he's not one. Fuck! <laughs> so we've got three out of four then, so far. The fourth is going to be... He loves the sound of his own voice. Nick Faldo. Do it. No. What? He loves the sound of his own voice. Gary Player. do a thousand sit-ups. Gary, Gary Player. fucking Player. The mad. last one I don't think you'd get, because he's very, very early on. Gene Sarazen. No idea. He was the first one to do it. No idea. Who are you talking about? So, so yeah. There's your five, sorry. Yeah. Sorry to so, put you on the spot there, mate. <laughs> Shit, man. I, I don't know the answer. Um, yeah. Footage was great. 
Um, Sean obviously St Andrews grandstands up Black this match is going on the part this match that tickled me and I seen it obviously when I first came out was the uh, Tiger Woods Jack Nicklaus oh the past champions Leeds Savino oh, the, yeah. <laughs> fucking cracks the me the past up. champions when they play 1-2-17-18 and, and 18. yeah and the Georgia Hall joined as well yeah. very 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 good golfer man and yeah, the LPG is yeah. very good golfer eh? Um, Trevino loves a story. Oh man, I could listen to him all day. You just, there are certain players that you just want to go and buy a pint, yeah, and just listen to him tell stories. Trevino he tells Jack Nicholas as well. On ah, a yeah. shot he made, but that's it. No one's <laughs> off limit for Trevino. Like he's <laughs> he's again probably another player that just doesn't give a shit what you yeah. think about him. But he's been there enough that he's got stature in the game, yeah. history in the game, and the utmost respect. So the many quotes, of players. man. You look back. I mean, was the quote I pl- uh, try playing for? A ten dollar match with only five dollars in your pocket or something. Yeah, like that. just the guy. Well, his, his, his most famous one is, um, if you're ever playing golf in a thunderstorm, hit a one iron because even God couldn't hit a one iron. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. So good, man. Just, but yeah, yeah, it was good to see some video footage of that as well. Um, oh, that seems to be like the best what five ball maybe ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was really geared up, wasn't it? The open yeah. watching, especially it being centred around Rory, it was built at the one he was going to win. They almost all thought, because of the the building up of the the arguments off course between PGA and Liv and everything else, and him being so prominent in all the conversations, yeah. it was, right, you've now spoken, like, I think it was Amanda that started, I'm probably paraphrasing here for her, but it's almost the same sentiment, You've backed it now. You've backed the PGA and this style of golf and what it's all stood for, the history, the everything else, the legacy of it. You've now got to go and prove it. Yeah. Go and win the Open. Yeah. Win the Major. I was strong. Shut them up. I was strong, yeah. Yeah. Didn't do it. No. Like you said, they were centered around Rory and doing it. Even with the Woods conforming he played the Open and then they had to show it again, didn't they? They had to show... The footage. The walk up eighteen. The tiger walking over smoking bridge. I liked it when, the last time. when you saw it in Fino's. Uh, he got his phone out because he was videoing yeah. it from the the yeah. putting green. Yeah, yeah. Because you would though if you no. doesn't matter who you are, it's Tiger Woods. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah, like you said, mate, he didn't win. Cam Smith won and he didn't even finish second. He was beaten by two Camerons. Yeah, Cameron Young. Young, sorry, I was going to say champ there, I don't know why. Yeah, Cameron Young. Um, but no, Rory didn't lose, this is the one thing, Rory did not lose that Open. Cameron, Cameron Smith, Smith just won it. tore it up, man. Yeah. His putter was unbelievable. Part on the 17th, on the road hole, yeah. I mean, you still look back think, how the fuck did he manage? Did he? Did the, he the shot, mm. the slingshot around the bunker to get it onto the green was a good shot, but it wasn't, I think, I think any tour pro would have been able to do that. Yeah. But to hold the par part from where it was, that was a great part. Yeah. That cemented it. And then obviously quickly, after his win, the news starts flooding through. The news starts coming through with Cam Smith. Well, apparently, from if you listen to sources like Peter Finch and the likes of, that deal was already done. Yeah. That was done before the Open. He was waiting to find out if they were going to honour the fact that because he'd won the Open, he was going to have major exemption for the next year. Yeah. Which obviously was then confirmed. And then later on, it came out 
but it was still a while after they opened it before it was officially announced it was going. We tried to brush over it the other week. I think it could be like it was like two or three weeks after it was confirmed. Like but it, says, it was the first thing that the press was starting to ask him. He's sitting there with the claret <coughs> jug, having just won it, held off one of the greatest golfers at the time in Rory McIlroy. And the first question you get asked is, so are you going to live? Yeah, it's like, I don't get that, man. They're doing their job. But that's, you a bit of fucking respect about yourself, man. But that's I mean. the press, though, in all areas, and whether it's in sport or out with. Yeah. They want to push their agenda for the thing they think will sell the most or make them the first thing that people want to read. Yeah. It's not necessarily the best or the right thing to be asking, but it's what they think is going to get them the most money or viewage. Yeah, it was good to feel dead inside all the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's nice to see as well the news is confirmed about him going to live and then it showed footage of Rory two weeks after the Open out uh, coaching kids. Yeah. It was nice to see yeah. that one because I don't really see him. We were told, like, he's the role model of all role models. He's the, the standpoint for PGA Tour. Can be like Rory. But see him just enjoying himself coaching the kids down in Florida. It was nice to see that. Um, yeah, then we, we went to the FedEx Cup. That was entertaining footage. Because uh, by this point now, we're well into the divide on tour between PGA, Live, yeah. and a certain spokesperson, ambassador for the PGA, all-round good guy, has a couple of digs. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> well come on to the reason why I like the first one because we know how I fucking feel about this guy but the uh, they were talking about obviously a certain American football player I think it was and Joe Allen uh, yeah. NFL quarterback yeah yeah. And talking about, I can't uh, remember the the team that he was at at the time Cardinals maybe Arizona uh, something like that but McElroy wanted to be a fan of them wanted to be and then, then he wouldn't be a fan of them because he's a big friend of Phil Mickelson Fuck you, Phil. <laughs> oh, the key and then I well. hope, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that flashes back to his what he said when he was a kid. who was very arrogant. <laughs> a bit of foresight. I wonder if he regrets that now. I don't know. Possibly not. You're probably right, yeah. but I wonder if he's had second thoughts about maybe. It's probably been so a second thought at one point. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, don't get me wrong. The laughing at Patrick Reed. Falling down the... I love that bit. The world rankings. That was a good bit for me, personally. I, I sat back and thought, you know what? I like this man even more. I like him even more. But yeah. Maybe it, maybe it was on those comments that's why Patrick Reed decided to subpoena him at Christmas Eve. I mean, he's going to mention the podcast again. I know. We, we did bring him up this time. Well, we both did. Well, we had to. We had to. So let's go back to the actual winning of the FedEx then. So obviously he held off Scotty Scheffler. Um, I don't was that what got him back to world number one, winning the FedEx. Scotty was one and one at the time. And Going into that, was it eleven million he took or thirteen million he, so he took for winning it? Yeah, third time he's won it as well. Mm-hmm. My third time he's won it. The Sunday round pairing with Scheffler. Um, yeah, there's no stopping him. Really, he started eight shots behind him. Because Scheffler starts at 10 under. Because yep. whoever's leading the FedEx going into the final gets a 10 under start. Yep. Then it's 8 under as the next person. Rory was 2 under. 2 or 3. So he was either six, 7 or 8 shots ahead of him. Yeah. And he managed to pull it back. 
Yeah. He, he played great golf. But Scotty missed a couple of fucking couple of Pats. dodgy putts and that as well, obviously. But yeah, there was no stopping him really, was there? No. Let's be honest. I think that was uh, Rory's own internal redemption for not getting them the open. I think the Grand Slam will happen. I, I don't, don't know when. I don't. You don't? I just don't think he's... He mentally beats himself when it comes to the Masters. He wants it too much. If he was able to... Like, how many times do you see guys on tour when they're, they're playing and they think that they're going to have a really good round and then they only just manage to make the, the cut and then you hit Saturday, Sunday, and they've got nothing really to play for other than just to get as high up as possible to get so much money. And then they go and blitz into sub-67 rounds. Yeah. You're like, where was that at the start of the week? Because the pressure's off, the, the expectation's off. Rory steps in and will always step into the Masters because of how big he is mm. in the game. The press want to hound him to get, where do you feel? Is this going to be the year you do it? And He can't shy away from it. He's very rarely, apart from when Tiger managed to come back after injury and play in the Masters, was he ever really going to feel like he was going under the radar? Because they know it's the, the last one before the Grand Slam. Well, I mean, that, that final round last year that you had, I mean, the bunker shot on 18. I mean, he, what, are they open? No, the Masters. For the Masters? Bunker he's shot. capable, don't he? Of course he's capable. I mean, but he did the Morikawa falls was... out behind him, didn't he? <laughs> Both of them yeah, but they were out. that far back to start with, though. You know what I mean? Like, with As I've said it before, with Rory... He either loses it on day one or he gets to the final day with strong chance of either being in the final pairing or second or third no. second or third pairing going off last of it and he shits the bed because yeah. he tries too hard. I do agree with you, mate. He wants the Masters too much, hunger, maybe. Um, well, he wants, again, it's, if you're going back to the whole what the episode was about, you, it's legacy over money. Yeah. He wants the legacy. He wants to be the sixth. He wants to beat Jordan Spieth to be the next guy with the Grand Slam mm -hmm. he wants to join that six or the five that have currently done it and be the sixth yeah so yeah wrapping up that's a very very successful documentary in my opinion by Netflix series one I haven't seen anything that's confirming series two but by one God, giveaway I, hope it I don't is know if I'm overthinking it right but when the episode starts obviously it's got like the and what to expect and all mm -hmm, the rest mm -hmm. of it there's got the driver coming into the ball off the tee yep. it's got a 1 on the ball so you're hoping that it'll be I'm full swing that in number 2 series 1 and then next series it could be that I hope it's that I saw a tweet from Dan Rappaport apparently that Netflix were talking to other pros in the I think it was either in the making of season 1 but never featured so that it's like guys that they've got their eye on for maybe future seasons John Lamb oh. but Tiger. Oh. I think even Peter Finch has mentioned that he, I think he is, whether he's had background information, that he's almost sure that there's a season two. But we can only... You hope so. I mean, they did the, the Formula One, like we said, the down to the five. They're on series five now. Yeah. So there's more and more content out there. I think there's different golfers. I think it definitely warrants a second series. Definitely. Whether or not it gets one after that will be dependent on how much engagement they feel is coming either in good reviews of it or is it actually bringing new people into the game. So what's the one I'm going to ask you? Like I'm going to ask you just your... Let me think. What is your overall 
review. And is it going to benefit the game in any way regarding new golfers or even current golfers, like golf fans? Is it going to... I think this series was more beneficial to those who already have an involvement in golf and enjoyment of golf. I think it did a good job that it would be able to maybe grab folk that maybe haven't even looked at golf before or have dwindled around golf and go, do you know what, I might actually watch for that person or mm. I might watch the majors and stuff like that. Even the definitions on the screen, like what is a par, what is a birdie? What is yeah, they tried to be informative the, towards the yeah, new to the new. They dropped guys. off later on the series that went like, but you know what I mean. It was yeah. kind of like, yeah, an eagle is two under par and all this. But yeah, yeah. But I, in terms of growing it, or making it bigger to the masses and growing the game, I don't think it'll have the same impact that it had for Formula One. No. I don't think you have to have a level of appreciation for golf to find some of that stuff exciting because it is a slower paced, longer lasting event, uh, sporting event yeah Formula 1 is very fast paced 200 miles an hour <laughs> overtakes tight turnings and everything else like that drama whereas golf doesn't it takes longer to get to that point where the drama hits because you, you're not going to watch Thursday Friday going oh what's going to who's going to do the only thing you can really say is oh John Ram blew up on Thursday and now he can't make the cut so he's oh that's that's the only real drama that's going to happen in that event for across those two days because it's a steady build-up. Saturday, you get a little bit more excitement because it's moving day. Guys who are maybe on the precipice of being in contention try to push themselves into contention. Yeah. You can have leaders blow up, drop shots, bring the field closer to them. Sometimes you can have an absolute anticlimax where a guy who's already leading just pulverizes the course again on Saturday and is so far ahead that Sunday means nothing. Yeah. Tiger Woods ask. But with the perfect story, what leads up to... You get a Sunday where you've got maybe four or five guys all fighting for the competition and then you just watch it unravel. So it's a slower build. So golf's hard to tra- to really jazz up yeah. unless you're a fan of the sport. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally think for Netflix, as a company, it's worth watching. Ah. Oh. Like, production-wise... As a golf fan, they, hit the, they, they did a great job. They smashed yeah. out the park. For us, they made it absolutely... But amazing. I mean, Netflix-wise, like I said, as a company, it's going to it's be worth people that aren't in the golf watching it, maybe, just to get a wee taste. I don't know how opinion. they managed to, to get so many good storylines out of it. Like, I know they picked a great year with everything that went on, but they seem to be in the right place at the right time. All of them. I don't understand that. Fucking Illuminati shit, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in regards to going the game... It's a documentary for golf fans, eh? Let's yeah. be honest. It's, it's not for... That's that's how it came across to me. Yeah, and I loved it. You loved it. Every golf fan who has watched it, the fucking love it as well. watching man. it again. Yeah, well, I'm going to watch it again as well, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, we're playing for season two. Series one did a great job. Um, yeah. Well, so we're basically our review, our opinions on it as well. Uh, I was, yeah, loved it. Can't wait for more. Right, shall we finish this episode off with me putting you in the hot seat then? Yeah, so I've been nominated this to be cover. You, you nominated yourself last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. One of two potential targets. Um, this one this week. So yeah, go for it, mate. So this is Quiz the Host to find out a bit more about us. Mostly golf-related, though. 
Mostly, it's meant to be all. <laughs> right. Question one. What's your favourite golf brand? Oh, shit, the bed. Uh, context, clubs. Brand. Brand and journal. Yeah. But let's say equipment then. Equipment. We'll break it down. Equipment and then apparel. Probably colour, eh? For equipment? Yeah. Okay. Apparel? Apparel. Mike. Okay. Fair play. Question two. <clears throat> no, 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 no. Shit, the bed, man. Apparel. Probably foot joy. Okay. <laughs> Someone wants a sponsor. I've got a lot of foot joy tops and polos and all the rest okay. of them. Just one over the shoes. Question anyway. two. Yep. What's been your best scoring round of golf and where? Short. 73. On a par 68. Monifeith. Good golf? Yeah. I went. I don't need a round by round or shot by shot. It's going to give you a hole by hole, but no, no, we're it's not. Fine. We don't have that much time here. <laughs> so, question three this one's been nabbed from you. What four areas of the game would you take to make your perfect golfer, starting with driving? Driving. Rory. Copycat. Irons. First name comes to mind, Luke Donald. Okay, no. Great iron shot player. Yeah. Short game. I would, I would have said Sevy, but I never have seen him live. I've seen footage, but wedges. <clears throat> Ram. Okay. Putting. Adam Scott. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't like the putter. He's awful at putting. He's not awful at putting. How's he awful at putting? Compared to the sum of the greats, he's awful. It's the first thing that comes to mind, isn't it? It's maybe quick fire. Okay. You could have gone with Tiger. I don't want to go with Tiger. <laughs> I'll go with Tiger with everything else I fucking talk about, man. Right, question four. Yes. What's your favourite and worst club that's in the bag? <laughs> favourite club in the bag now is uh, my driver. Right. Call the Rogue. Okay. Worst is my putter. Which is? Currently, loan from your father, dealing with Spider. So is it that putter that you hate, or is it just putting? I hate putting in general, but... Yeah, that oh, so you're not getting on well with that putter? No, the minute, no. But I've only used it twice, so... Okay. Question five. Yep. Hoodies and joggers on the golf course, yes or no? No. <laughs> Move on. Nope. <sighs> okay. Question six. Would you rather watch YouTube golf or tour golf? Oh, man. Tour. Tour, okay. But YouTube golf is awesome, isn't it? <laughs> that's so good. I like that question. I was like, ooh, this one. There's oh. only one other one that I know that's going to really get you. Right. Question seven. Yes. Would you rather play a nine-hole course of par fives or of par threes? Par fives. Okay. Because your favourite clubs are driving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Question eight. Yep. What's your bucket list course to play? The one that I keep coming back to wanting to play at the one is Dunbarney. Okay. Down the coast. 
in Fife. Dunbarney, just the ball that was had. You've played obviously a couple of times since your dad. Good reviews, but it's meant to be the next big thing in Scotland. So, yeah. Probably Dunbarney. Cool. Good answer. Question nine. What's your all-time four ball from past and present golfers? Tiger. Okay. Servi. Tiger, Servi, Faldo. Faldo? That's left field. I thought you'd have gone Rory McIlroy. No. Been bad enough as it is. Okay. I'd have to the fucking pot, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what free you pick, <laughs> you're still going to be the worst out of it. No different from what mine was last week. And question 10, the big one. Do I see it? No. <laughs> Scotland, it's still winter. It's not going to be that big. Ugh. Question 10, the big one. Yaz links or the old course? Oh, I hear you. If, if, if for context here, listeners, if you haven't realised before, Gareth has played the old course, but he's also played Yaz links in Abu Dhabi. I have to put the countdown timer on here. I think you do. I mean, then George Sams isn't going to help audio like that. But. Oh. <laughs> the torture here is great. Just watching your face. Oh, God. Yaz. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Is that because you played better? I've had one good of the of course. Mm-hmm. And or I is it because the Yaz is the most recent one that you still sticks out? No, it's just the course was. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You did love it. it yeah, I loved it. I enjoyed it. There was no a lot of pressure on me. Well, I went out to enjoy myself. Um, yeah, Yaz. Okay. Right, this has been a very, very, very long episode due to the uh, Netflix conversation, so we will wrap up there. 